Well, good morning, church. My name is Mark Putman, and I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. It's good to be worshiping together with you today. We're blessed during these times of stay-at-home orders in Ohio that we've been able to continue worshiping together via live stream each and every Sunday. Well, we are starting, actually, to come into the home stretch of our sermon series called The Story. For 29 weeks now, except for a brief break during the season of Advent, we've been reading through the entire Bible, and together we've been discovering that it is the story of God's great love affair with humanity. It is the story of God's plan of redemption for the world that he created and that he loves so very much. And we've seen how God's story and our story, sometimes called the upper story or the heavenly story, and the lower story, the earthly story, so to speak, intersect with each other. Last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan shared with us the story of the birth of the church from the early chapters of the book of Acts, and how the power of the Holy Spirit, how through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church just began to explode, and the church of Jesus Christ spread from Jerusalem out to Judea, and then way beyond that. And today we're going to see how that expansion continued by taking a look at the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Now, a little background. Paul was also sometimes known by his Jewish name of Saul. And Paul had impeccable credentials as a faithful and obedient Jew. He received the finest education available in his day in religion under the training of the man named Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee who knew the scriptures inside and out, and he followed each and every law of God without fail. And when we first meet him in the Bible, he's so convinced that the Jews who had begun to follow Jesus as the resurrected Messiah were wrong that he set about rounding them up, persecuting them, and even standing by as some of them were killed, like when Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in Jesus in Acts chapter 7. But then Paul had a first-hand encounter with Jesus while he was on his way to Damascus, where he was going to round up more Christians. But the Lord had very different plans in mind, and the Lord Jesus appeared to him very powerfully. And he told Paul that he had been chosen by Jesus to be the one to take the gospel message beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. And this encounter that Paul had with Jesus totally changed his life. It turned his life upside down. He was baptized, and he immediately began to tell Jews and Gentiles alike that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And eventually, as they were led by the Holy Spirit, the followers of Jesus who were in the city of Antioch in Syria commissioned Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them out as missionaries to spread the news that Jesus, the Messiah, is raised from the dead. And this is where we pick up the story in Acts 13, 1 to 6, and 13 to 16. Now, in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, 
Manan, who had been brought up with, the Her- with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salome, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. We see right from the very beginning that there was a variety, a diversity of people who were gathered in the church in Antioch. We're told that they had different gifts. Some were prophets and some were teachers. They were from lots of different places too. Paul was from Tarsus. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Lucius was from Cyrene in North Africa. That's a lot of diversity for one church there. I'm sure they each had their own unique gifts. And they were deployed both in the church in Antioch and beyond. But because the Holy Spirit told them... They dedicated Paul and Barnabas for the special purpose of going out to new places as missionaries to spread the gospel of Jesus in places where it had never been taken before. Now, I don't imagine that they had a travel agent to help them plan their trip like we might have today. No, really the Holy Spirit was their travel agent. And so what they did was they followed the known travel routes in the Roman Empire. It was those shipping routes and those Roman roads that made their travel so much easier. It'd be like today if they had followed Route 66 from Chicago to Los Angeles, making stops at all the important towns along the way, like St. Louis, Oklahoma City, and Albuquerque. As you can see from the map of Paul's first journey, they went from the church in Antioch of Syria to the port of Seleucia, where they caught a ship sailing for the island of Cyprus out in the Mediterranean Sea. They landed in Salome, where Barnabas took Paul to this little sandwich shop that he knew about, and they had one of the best sandwiches that they had ever had with this brand new lunch meat that had just been invented that was named after the town, Salami. I'm kidding, that's really not what happened, but it's kind of funny, that town name. Anyway, Cyprus really did have this large Jewish population. 
And so Paul and Barnabas went straight to the local synagogue where people would know the Jewish scriptures already and where many would begin to recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy as the Messiah as they heard Paul preach. And so after preaching all over the island, they set sail from the city of Paphos for the mainland of Asia Minor, which today is modern-day Turkey. They landed in Perga, and then they headed inland to the city of Antioch in Pisidia. Now, don't get confused by all the different cities named Antioch. That name was kind of like Springfield back in the day. They went from Springfield, Ohio, to Springfield, Illinois, to Springfield, Missouri. And that's why they're always distinguishing which Antioch they're talking about. Is it Antioch of Syria? Is it Antioch of Pisidia? Well, Paul was invited to speak in the city of Antioch, or in the synagogue of Antioch of Pisidia. And there he preached a great sermon testifying from all the Jewish scriptures about how Jesus is the Messiah. He proclaimed that Jesus came to give us forgiveness for our sins and that we are made right with God when we place our faith and trust and belief in Jesus. And lots and lots of people came to faith. And so they invited Paul and Barnabas to come back the next Sabbath and to preach some more. But there were some Jewish leaders who became jealous of Paul's success. Has that ever happened to you? Have you seen someone else become more successful than you and you get kind of jealous? That's what was happening here. And so instead of celebrating the work that God was doing, they tried to block it. But Paul and Barnabas rebuked them. They said they were going to keep taking the message to the Gentiles. And so they left Antioch in Pisidia. And they headed toward the city of Iconium. And here's what happened next. Acts 14, beginning in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Iconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. And so we see how the gospel of Jesus continued to spread through Paul and Barnabas. As they usually did, they went first to the synagogue and preached about Jesus. And a lot of new people heard the gospel for the first time and they believed. And even when some people who weren't convinced began to stir up trouble, Paul and Barnabas never gave up. Maybe you don't know this, but Barnabas' real given name was Joseph. Barnabas was actually his nickname. And the name Barnabas, or the nickname Barnabas, means son of encouragement. I bet that he was a great encouragement to Paul never to give up when trouble arose, when persecution came their way. 
in those early days. And I don't know about you, but I think we all need encouragement. I know I need encouragement. Encouragement is actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's called exhortation. And people with this gift are able to encourage other people to remain faithful even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of their struggles. They use their relationships with other people so that they can just use their gift naturally. They talk. They pray. They may send cards or write notes. They may even use music or other art forms to encourage. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. Just think about all the different ways that you can use that gift, even right now when you're at home. You can speak words of encouragement to the drive through window clerk or the DoorDash delivery guy. You can use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to post words of encouragement for healthcare workers on the front lines. You and your children can use sidewalk chalk to write encouraging words and pictures to your neighbors who walk by your house. You can take part in our church's challenge from our children and student ministry areas to collect 100 notes of encouragement that are going to be delivered to local grocery store workers this week. You can write a note, you can color a picture, and you can drop that note or picture by our church office by the end of the day tomorrow, Monday, and that note will be used to encourage grocery store workers at Kroger's, Aldi's, and Target right here on Beachmont Avenue. How cool is that, that you can use your gift in that simple way? Well, because of Barnabas' encouragement, Paul kept preaching, and so many more people came to faith in Jesus. Paul and Barnabas just kept planting gospel seeds and the Holy Spirit did the rest. In fact, the Spirit was so present there that signs and wonders even happened, further convincing the people of God's grace and God's goodness. The spiritual gift of miracles was present in the healings that took place. And so they went on to the cities of Lystra and Derby, healing people and winning more people for Christ. And of course, some of their jealous detractors from Antioch and Iconium had followed them, and they continued to stir up trouble against them. But Paul and Barnabas were undeterred. They began to retrace their steps back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and they encouraged the believers in each of the brand new churches that had started there. They looked for people who had various spiritual gifts in each and every place, and they appointed leaders in each of those places and committed them to the Lord. Finally, they went back down to Perga. They caught a ship in Italia, and they sailed back to Antioch in Syria, where they had started. And the gospel of Jesus spread. Throughout the Roman province of Asia Minor, Paul and Barnabas had covered about 1,600 miles, planting lots of churches and introducing many new people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They stayed in Antioch of Syria for a long time, telling all the people what had happened in their ministry among the Gentiles. It was here that many people believe that Paul probably wrote his letter to the Galatians. 
Galatians was probably written before the Jerusalem Council happened, in which questions were debated and then finally resolved about whether or not Gentile believers were going to have to follow all of the Jewish laws. Paul wrote in Galatians against requiring Gentiles to follow Jewish laws. He writes to them about how Christ has set us free from the law and how we are called to live by the Spirit instead. The Jerusalem Council eventually affirmed Paul's position, and the letter to Galatians circulated among the churches that Paul had planted in Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe in the province of Galatia. Well, after the Jerusalem Council happened, it was decided that this news needed to be taken back to the Gentiles and shared with them. I mean, they couldn't just post the outcome on Twitter back in the day and have everybody read it and know. So a second journey was undertaken to share this news and to strengthen the churches along the way and to go into some brand new territory. Paul takes a new companion along with him this time, a man named Silas. They left Antioch in Syria, taking an overland route this time through the province of Cilicia. They came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where they met a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy's mother and his grandmother were Jewish believers, but his father was Greek. Paul invited Timothy to join him and Silas, and together they traveled on through the provinces of Galatia and Phrygia. They tried to go north into the province of Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there. And so they went on down through Mysia until they came to the town of Troas on the eastern shore of the Aegean Sea. There, Paul had a dream that a man was begging him to come to Macedonia, which was on the other side of the sea. And it was there in Troas that Luke, who is the writer of Acts, joins the other three men. And here's what happens beginning in Acts 16. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath... We went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple, purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized... She invited us to come to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This map of Paul's second missionary journey shows how Paul, Silas, and Timothy have crossed by land over the part marked Asia, and now they have landed on European soil for the very first time. The city of Philippi, as we are told, was a leading city back in that time. And again, we see Paul starting his ministry in a place 
where he believes he will find some people who are open to his message about Jesus. There are some women who had gathered just outside of the city by the river, and they are praying there to God. And among the women was one by the name of Lydia. And we are told that she was a merchant who sold purple cloth, which was really expensive back in that day. And it may indicate that she was a woman with some financial means and perhaps even a woman of great influence. We're told that her heart was open to Paul's message and that she believed. And so we see Lydia begin to use her spiritual gift of generosity. She uses the material gifts that she had to provide a place to stay for Paul and the others, a roof over their head, and she offers them hospitality. And while they were in Philippi, Paul used his gift of divine healing one day to cast out a demon from a slave girl who was used by her owners to make money by telling fortunes. Well, this made her owners very angry when the demon was driven out of her because they were greedy and they knew that they were going to lose a lot of money now. And so they dragged Paul and Silas in front of the town's authorities. They had them arrested and flogged and thrown into prison. And the jailer put them in the innermost cell and he chained them up and he was told to guard them very carefully. Listen to what happened next. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I love that story. It's a story of a powerful miracle that happens in that jail. I think it's the story, actually, of several miracles that happen in that jail. Because, of course, the obvious one is that there's this divine earthquake that flings open the cells of the jail and the prisoners' chains fall off of them. But it's also pretty miraculous, don't you think, that in spite of being treated so unfairly by the crowd and by the magistrate after being whipped and flogged and, and thrown into jail, that Paul and Silas are singing hymns of praise to God and not muttering underneath their breath. And it's also a miracle that all the prisoners, when their chains fly off of them, that they just don't run out of the jail and escape to freedom. And perhaps the biggest miracle of all is how God used all of these things 
to bring that jailer and his family to become the newest converts of faith in Jesus Christ. He and his whole family were baptized in Christ. And immediately he begins to use his newfound spiritual gifts of mercy and compassion to see the need and to feel the suffering of Paul and Silas and to wash and bandage their wounds. As well as he begins to use his gift of hospitality, bringing them into his home and setting a meal before them. The group of evangelists leave Philippi and they continue on through Macedonia and Greece. They go to Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. Along the way, they have varying degrees of success, but still many, many people come to believe and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul leaves Corinth. He sails back across the Aegean Sea to Ephesus, and then he makes his way back to Antioch in Syria, where the second journey had also started. This second journey covered twice as many miles as the first, nearly 3,000 miles, Many churches had been revisited and strengthened along the way. Many new churches had been started. Many new people had come to faith. And in each new place, new gifted leaders for the church were raised up and they were deployed. And the gospel of Jesus Christ kept spreading outward in concentric circles. In each of these stories we've surveyed this morning, we've seen a variety of people using their spiritual gifts to build up the church. Later in Paul's life, he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth explaining to them about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they are to be used. Hear his words from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. He writes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Each and every Christian has at least one spiritual gift given to them as a gift from the Holy Spirit. You probably have even more than one. But even though they are given to you, they are not meant for you. They are actually meant for others. You see, your gifts are meant to be used to build up the whole church and to bring glory and honor and praise to God. And when we all use our gifts, and when we add them together, the fullness of the body of Christ is made known to the community and to the world. I have seen almost every one of the spiritual gifts 
in this church. And I think it is a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a thing that only God can do. And I think that that is one of the biggest reasons why so many people are being drawn to what God is doing at Anderson Hills. Because the Spirit of God is present, and the gifts are being used to glorify God and to bring others to faith in Christ. So my friends, let's continue the work that began so well in the book of Acts. And let's keep spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the whole earth, beginning right here. <coughs> let's use our spiritual gifts to introduce people to Jesus and to join in God's mission in the world, just like the Apostle Paul did. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we give you thanks for every good gift that you pour out upon your people. For the gift of teaching and preaching, of prophecy, of speaking in tongues, of healing, of hospitality, of generosity, and so much more. We thank you for the way each and every person uses their gifts to add up to the totality of the body of Christ. We pray that you would use each and every one of us and all of us collectively to share the good news of the gospel here in Anderson Township, in Cincinnati, in Ohio, in America, and all over the world until the end that every person comes to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Use us as your servants just like you used your servant Paul. And we'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise both now and forever. Amen.